Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. And we're trying to figure out what's going on with the Utah Jazz in these last three games, which... <laughs> Uh, I think we'll we'll talk about what the Jazz have been struggling in because in their last three games they've they've lost two of them and then they won one of those games in very unimpressive fashion. So, yeah, I was yeah, at blo- that game, man. I was the whole time. I'm just like, this game should not be this close. Yeah, it. it there's no reason it should have been. No. And, and I was following it, and it's just yeah. I, I don't I don't know what happened. The Jazz were just on a roll with that streak and then suddenly just I guess the all-star break they forgot how to play good basketball or at least yeah it had the it had the adverse effect it, it, they got like they got good rest but they almost forgot how to play with each other yeah and I think I was expecting a drop off cuz I've been I've been saying fairly pessimistically that the Jazz were really just playing over their heads they weren't really that good but I didn't expect a drop off to where they're looking like a below average team because when healthy and they show their potential with that streak, they can be an above average team. They're not a top four seed. They're, you know, when healthy, they, if they'd been healthy the entire year, they probably would be in the playoffs, right? And at least the, one of the playoff seeds, but now they look like a team, some of these teams that should be tanking. I mean, they, they were right there, like with Dallas, whose whose owner admitted that it would be better for them to lose. You know, they're trying to tank and the jazz weren't pulling away the way they did against a team like the Golden State Warriors or the the Spurs. It took until late for them to actually finally pull away a little bit and win by seven points. It's just a little frustrating. Yeah, and that was when I was like, you know, yeah, that game was too close for comfort, but that was, you know, that was more of them going back to, oh, you know what? No, we're better than this. Let's Let's finish this. But to follow it up, I mean, to be fair, you know, that first – first half well i guess i should say the first quarter and a half of the houston game were impressive we were dictating everything we were pushing them around we were forcing them into bad shots we ultimately kept them off the uh, three-point line but then it just became and then kind of like um it almost looked like the bullies became the bullied in that second half where, you know, they were throwing punches and then all of a sudden they backed down at the wrong freaking time. And I, and I love, I, I was listening to the post game report on, uh, the zone. I can't remember his name. He was sitting in for someone on that post game report and they listened to the Quinn Snyder, uh, post game interview and basically said at one point in that interview, he's like, Oh, there's a guy there. Don't pass the ball. <laughs> It's like, yeah, that, seriously. I mean, you talk about shooting yourself in the foot over and over. That was the jazz that night, man. You know, in a couple of these games uh, against Portland and Houston, they had like 19 turnovers against Portland and I think 20 against Houston. Maybe it's it's it was switched. I can't remember exactly. And they only had 11 turnovers against Dallas. Um, so I, I think just a lot of the problems for the jazz are on are definitely on offense because on defense – they held Portland to 100 points. They held Dallas to 90. And they held the Rockets, who were 
known for their offense. They held the Rockets to 96. So it's not like the defense is struggling at all. They're, they're playing fantastic as usual. It's the offense that has completely sucked. And turnovers have been one of those things. I mean, the Jazz are averaging 87.7 points in the last three games. I mean, opponents are only averaging 95.3. That's a number I could live with all day. But the offense, and especially the shooting, has just been absolutely terrible. In, in those three games, we have yet to get over 30% from three-point range. We're shooting in the 20s from deep in these mm. last three games. We're shooting 37% on the season, so there's just no shooting. And, you know, I mentioned playing over our head in that 11-game win streak. We're playing way below our potential, especially in terms of shooting. Yeah, well, and, I mean, we've talked about it, and I, you've even brought it up on past episodes. We we There was going to be a point when we would regress to the mean. The win streak was going to end. We all knew that. But I kind of feel like we've regressed to that mean even more so. Like, it, it's gotten worse. And I, and I don't know if it's lack of execution as much as it is kind of falling in love with, like, hero ball, in a sense. Like, there were so many instances in the Houston game where they were executing the offense, they'd get in the paint, and then they would kick it back out and take an even worse shot. I mean, if you're going into the paint, at least try to go up, draw a foul. I mean, obviously, it was not a great officiated game, but what what uh, what game against Houston and the elites of the NBA are ever really fairly associate or officiated? You know, I mean. I, there was one mo- there was one moment where Favors went up in the paint and he he felt like he got fouled. It was an obvious foul. There was no there was no call, but he just kind of you know yelled at the ref and then put his arms down and put his head down and didn't even get back on defense. And Quinn Snyder immediately called a, a timeout. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, I think sometimes you kind of just got to let those go because. If you get yourself frustrated, then that just affects the entire game. And suddenly oh, absolutely. You, you, it, it's hard not to get sucked into that. I mean, you're human, you know? You get frustrated, and there's when things aren't going your way for so long, you just you kind of give up a little bit. But you're also a professional basketball player, and you've been doing this for a while. So suck it up, Cupcake. And I guess he's got to be used to it at this point because, like you say, playing against uh, guys like uh, – or teams like the Warriors or the Rockets, especially – or, you know, any team that has James Harden or Chris Paul on it or LeBron James, then you know that you're going to have some calls that aren't going your way. Uh, and sometimes you just got to get used to that and then just remember that, you know, there have been some games where the Jazz get away with calls. They don't happen very often, but <laughs> – there's games where we get a few more uh, a few more calls than we deserve that game, which supposedly is supposed to make up for the ones where we get screwed every other play. But I, I really you know, back to your point, you talk about execution, I think it's just really bad shooting. Because when you look at the assist numbers, which you know, I try to look at for, you know, if the teams if we're playing team ball really well and with with our system, if we're getting more assists it means we're running our offense typically better and we've got some pretty good assist numbers the last few games we had 15 against portland uh we had 26 yeah 26 against dallas which is really high 
and then we had like 20, 21 against Houston. So they're not bad assist numbers. Really what it comes down to is we're missing our shots just as a whole. Everybody is missing their shots. And the only well, we're missing play- shots because we're taking dumb shots. Yeah, and that, that's, that's probably part of it. I mean, the only player who's shooting really well in the last oh, – trying to look at it. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is the only person who's shooting really well. He's shooting in these last three games. He's shooting like 85%. You know, yeah, 85% well, I mean, he's also th- – those are mostly dunks, if yeah. not layups. Yeah, they're all they're all inside shots. But, yeah, everyone else, you know, Derek Favors and Alec Burks are shooting all right. Um, I mean, Alec doesn't play a whole lot, so he's not making a huge impact. And Derek has – he's not played as many minutes in the last few games. Um, but then everybody else. Like those three, Gobert, Favors, and Burks, they're all shooting above 50%. Everyone else is shooting 41% or below from everywhere. And, I mean, Donovan Mitchell is shooting 41%. We'll talk about him in a minute, um, some of his uh, shooting woes. But Joe Ingles is shooting 36%. And this is from the field overall. This isn't like from the three-point range. When you go to the three-point range, it's even worse. Joe Ingles is shooting 27% from three. Yeah, he he took a real real huge step backwards um, after the break, man. He's back to being lethargic. It's really weird. Yeah, and and the, what we need to figure out is what it's going to take to get that back. And we don't necessarily have to expect the insane offense that we have, but at least you know we talked about being playing above the head and then regressing to the mean. We've regressed well below the mean. We just need to get back to the mean. Joe Ingles doesn't need to shoot eighty percent from three but he also shouldn't be shooting 20% from three. Let's find that happy medium. Let's say 38% or so, maybe 40%. You know, Donovan Mitchell, he doesn't need to shoot 50% from three or 50% from the field. If, you know, just nice 45 and 35 maybe. And it's kind of the same thing with Ricky Rubio where he was shooting really well over his head. He's shooting 33% from the field. Although he's actually still shooting pretty well from three-point range in the last three games. But we just need them to shoot at the mean, the average, have solid averages, and this team will do just fine. And that will carry us through a schedule we have is is fairly weak over the next month or so. We can put together another nice win streak just as long as we don't play this stupid bad offense that we've had the last three games. Yeah, I mean... The the offense succeeded in the win streak because, one, we were dictating everything. We were making the defense do what we wanted them to do. We were taking good shots. We were taking shots within the offense. And we were playing unselfish basketball. The ball was constantly moving around the floor from wing to the inside to wherever. And the picks were solid. They were getting a pick and roll with Rudy and Favors all day. And it was working out well. And I'm sorry, but Houston is not a good defensive team. I know that their stats don't tell me, like, the stats argue otherwise. But your three best defenders on that team are uh, Clint Capella, uh, Trevor Ariza, and Chris Paul. Those are three guys. James Harden doesn't play a lick of defense. His defense is shoving you. That's how he plays defense. And he's going to get the benefit of the doubt on every time he goes up to take a shot or pass the ball. He's always going to get the foul call. There is no reason that you can't be shoving around teams and making the teams do what you want them to do like your Dallas Mavericks. 
And same with Houston. I know that they're one of the best teams in the NBA. I get that. But that first quarter, that Jazz team was the they were the boss. And Portland kind of got blindsided. I kind of expected them to come out with some fire. They did. But you got when you when you CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are going off, there's you know, that's a hard that's a hard thing to stop. Yeah, definitely. And you know, talking about Houston also Portland a little bit, we have been able to dictate some things like against Houston, we held them to ninety six points. I mean, I don't know if I can pull up really quick how many points per game Houston's averaging, but it's a lot. I think it's like hundred and fourteen. And their yeah, offensive well rating. Yeah, their offensive rating is historically good. We held them to 96 points in an offensive rating of 102. That's really good. And you know, James Harden and Chris Paul, it's not like they did spectacularly well. I mean, James Harden, he went 8 of 13, which is decent, but it's not like he's going 15 of 20. Chris Paul right. shot 38% in that game, only had 15 points and 7 assists. And you go to the Portland game, you talk about C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard, I mean, Damian Lillard, he shot 39% overall, 28% from three. And C.J. McCollum, yeah, he got 26 points, but he had to take 21 shots to do it. So it's not like we were getting absolutely blown up by these guys. The defense, again, I think was doing its job about as well as you can expect them. It's just when we get to the other side of the floor when we're supposed to score, the Jazz aren't doing their job. Because when you look at all three of those defensive efforts against those three teams those become really winnable games. Absolutely, yeah, you're in every game. Yeah, so can you score 97 points in a game? You've beaten the Houston Rockets. And like you said, they're not a spectacularly defensive team. You know, they, they've, like you said, you got Chris Paul, Trevor Rees, and Clint Capella, but the Jazz, you know, there's, there's two other guys that you can exploit out there on the floor most of the time. So, again, it's just, the offense, and I think part of this, kind of moving on to Donovan Mitchell, is that you know, when you know, I keep going back to this, when I was at the beginning of the season, I thought that Donovan Mitchell would put up some numbers not as high as he is so far this season. I was expecting 13 to 14 points being like close to his ceiling for his rookie year. But I was thinking he would be shooting, uh, like I said before, in the low 40s, um, overall, and then maybe the, the mid-30s from three. And then he was exceeding those. He was shooting really well. But I think that he's really hit a rookie wall in terms of his shooting percentage. And it, it sounds kind of weird when you consider that he, just before this Houston game, he was running on six straight games of 20 points or more. He was averaging, what was it, 24.5 points per game. I wrote it down somewhere over here. Yeah, he was averaging 24.5 points a game in those six games, but he was shooting 22.8 shots a game. And that just shows how terribly inefficient he was. Now, uh, most of those were in the win streak. There was just a couple that were uh, you know, post-All-Star break. And so while Donovan has been posting some of the, the regular box score numbers, when you just take a slightly deeper look to his field goal percentage, he's not nearly as good as he was during December or January, at least the first part of January. He's really, I, I, like, there's no other way to put it, he's hitting a wall, and it really, I think, started 
when you look at it, you can almost pinpoint it to when he was out in the San Antonio game with sickness. After that point, that's when he really started struggling overall, uh, at least in his yeah, shooting numbers. It's so weird that it happened after his 40-point explosion in Phoenix. Yeah, and that's when he first was sick. Like, he threw up before that game. Right. And then, and then suddenly he can't shoot worth a darn. And, again, there's things where he's still doing really well because actually in these games he'll shoot really poorly, but he's still been clutch in a lot of these games. Well, I, I kind of call it the, the Russell Westbrook effect where he starts the game like 3 of 12 and then he'll go 5 of 5 in the fourth quarter. And right, and that is comforting that he's kind of becoming a fourth quarter player, but when you when you start disappearing in the fourth all of a sudden and then you throw eight turnovers in one game to literally two Houston players, there's something wrong. Yeah, and so I th- and obviously the rookie wall is something that you always kind of expect. And I mean it's coming around the time you'd think a lot of players would hit their rookie wall. This is the time when you know, college players, their season is beginning to wrap up. It's essentially March. And so he's not used to playing this far into the season, and he's playing 35 minutes a game. I don't know how many minutes he was averaging in college. You actually looked that up really quick. Oh, man, I'm have... nowhere near this. Uh, in Louisville, his second year, he was averaging 32.3. and He's averaging 35 since, like, December. Oh. Okay. But his usage rate is 29, which is high for any player in the NBA, let alone a rookie. Mm. Um, and, I mean, he played 34 games at Louisville. He's played, oh, 50-something for the Jazz. I don't know how many. Oh, where is it at? 58. So he's almost doubled the amount of games, and he's playing more minutes per game. Had a much higher usage rate. So I think right. this this could just be him getting tired. No, totally. I mean, it happens to all rookies, man. I mean, the college season is nowhere near as intense, nowhere near as long, um, nowhere near as demanding. Um, and it's a lot easier to manage minutes in a college game than it is an NBA game, especially when you were brought in to kind of alleviate the uh, – the hole that was left when Hayward um, said his goodbyes. But so, you know, I don't think anybody jazz fan or otherwise really ever thought that Donovan Mitchell was going to be getting as many minutes as quickly as he did early in this season. You know, I mean, the last time he got below 30 minutes was game seven of the season. It was 17 minutes. And since then, he's at least 30 or more. I mean, it takes it takes a toll on you when you're not used to it. Yeah, and I, I just we'll see how he manages to to cope with it. Um, I don't know if he'll get out of this this shooting slump. I really hope he does. And again, his production hasn't really dipped. It's mostly his shooting percentages. And I think another evidence of him just getting tired is just he's jacking up a lot more three point shots. You know, on the season, about 40% of his shots have been three-point shots. In the last three games, 
fi- almost 51% of his shots have been three-point shots. Wow. And he's averaging like nine per game as opposed to around like six and a half per game. Do you do you do you feel like that's more him trying to just kind of be a hero all of a sudden? Do you think he's just he wants that that sucker punch big shot? Maybe like I see that maybe if he's averaging like more like one or two like if it went from like seven six and a half to like seven or eight, but a jump all the way up to nine. It's that. I mean that's a, that's certainly a possibility. Um, you know, cause I, you've seen him come down he'll just pull up a three or come off a screen and maybe take a, a less advised shot. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I really like the, when I watch these games and him taking these threes, I feel like he's taking, he's taking more of these shots, um, in a lot of people's faces and the times that he's really on from three is when he's taking that shot within the offense, he's in rhythm and he's balanced. The last few games, he doesn't look like he's as balanced as he has been throughout the year. Like he, he seems like he's forcing the shot, um, and he's not uh, squared to the basket. I mean, to make any shot, you need to have your shoulders squared. And I don't see that that much anymore. I think one thing when you looked at the summer league is there were some questions about his shot selection. And I think for most of the season, he was hot enough and he was – playing smart enough and reserved enough he was controlling himself where he wasn't taking so many bad shots if you look at a lot of it's not like he was taking ridiculous shots and making them like when you watch Lance Stevenson when he scores tons of points it's just because all of his crazy shots and really stupid shots are going in (laughs) that guy cracks me up he's such an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah but yeah, I, I kind of see what you're saying. I think Donovan Mitchell has been taking a few more ill-advised shots, and maybe that's you're right that he's just taking those more three-point shots because he wants to try and get his team back in it. Because again, he spent most of the time behind or in close games, like getting blown up by Portland, or they fell behind to Houston after being up, and they're trying to you know kind of stop the bleeding, I guess, with the Houston game where they were up and then they you know blew the lead. Oh yeah, totally. But I mean, you can't fault him for the confidence. I mean, he knows he knows that you know I can make this shot, and he's gonna take it because he's made it before. You know, that's that's habitual for him. He knows he can be that good. But when your shot's broken, man, you gotta start making better decisions. Yeah. So I I think it's just this is just another thing that he'll have to learn because every star has gone through a stretch where they suck at shooting. It happens to any good player and it's just going to be one of those things that Donovan Mitchell will have to learn is that you know there are going to be games where my shot's not going down you want to have that confidence maybe going into the fourth quarter maybe take some more shots but for maybe a lot of the game try and pass the ball set up your teammates which again that's a learning process because we're I think we're throwing a lot of expectations on on a rookie now because we've come to expect this Right. You know, yeah. we'll say we'll say it's unfair, but you know, he's playing like a like a almost like what like a second or third team all NBA player for stretches of the game, for stretches of the season. But he still is a rookie who's going to make a lot of mistakes and is is going to be far from perfect. But Yeah, for sure. And this is still, you know, this is still uh 
many uh, examples of a learning experience for him. He's only going to he's only going to hold on to these things and remember what he did wrong and improve on it. Question is, how quickly will he improve upon that? Because, I mean, <laughs> four for ten in the Portland game, it's not so bad. Four for eight, not so bad with Dallas, but one for nine against Houston. Um, and to go back to as, as a team for a little bit, um, Quinn Snyder was not happy. And I really think that the last time the Jazz played Portland, they went on that win streak. So I'm, ho- I'm really hopeful that this kind of wakes them up, especially Donovan. Um, eight, eight turnovers is terrible. And a lot of those were he literally threw it to a Rockets player. Yeah, those, like, are just, those are just the most frustrating turnovers. Oh, yeah. It's kind of like what, what Quinn said. Hey, there's a guy there. He's wearing the other color shirt. Don't throw it to him. We don't want yeah. them to have the ball. <laughs> Just, I haven't heard Quinn Snyder that pissed in years. <laughs> we need to do is just like make a, a sound bite of him, you know, saying all those things and then just have like the picture. There's that Quinn Snyder. There's like that death stare that he gave like a, a few years ago. Oh yeah! Oh that, wow! That that's such a terrifying face. <laughs> it'll haunt your dreams, and just have yeah. that sound playing over while you get this this image of Quinn Snyder, you know, looking at you like he's going to eat your soul or something. Just... <laughs> the murderous rage. <laughs> just need oh, to give man. Just have him give that look all the time in practice, and everyone will work harder. But yeah. Seriously, I, I, I can guarantee you at practice today, he was short, to the point, and I, I don't know what else. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Sloan-esque today at practice. wonder if they did passing drills. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> We're going to practice passing, guys. All right, I'm going to wear a different color shirt. Don't pass the ball to me. Seriously, like, God, we need to go back to fundamentals this late in the season? Are you kidding me, guys? Well, got some young players, but yeah. So, I mean, looking forward, um, the Jazz do have an advantage. You mentioned, you know, playing poorly like this maybe can fuel another win streak. And if you look at the next five games for the Jazz. They don't play until Friday, I believe, and they play the Timberwolves, who are without Jimmy Butler. They play the Kings, the Magic, the Pacers, and the Grizzlies. That is, again, if they don't play like they've been playing, that's a potential five-game win streak or a four, you know, a four-and-one, you know, five-game stretch. But if the Jazz go three and two or two and three or heaven forbid one and four, that could spell the end of the playoff. Or I guess if they go like two and three or one and four, that may end up being the end of the or the most decisive thing in not getting into the playoffs. Because they can't afford to be giving up games that they can win against teams like the Pacers, the Magic, and the Kings. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, this is this is the point where um, it's not you have to win every game type situation, but this is where you need to win at least eighty-five percent of the next games, like bar none, because um, not only do 
you know, not only are you guys still making that push for the playoffs, if you're really making that push for the playoffs, you need to show it because Denver's still winning, Pelicans are still winning, and the, Cl- and the Clippers are still winning. Yeah, and we, we were kind of expecting all of them to drop off because the Clippers, they traded Blake Griffin, uh, DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, and um, the Nuggets were supposed to be playing this killer schedule. But like you said, they're they're still doing their thing. Yeah, totally. And they just got Paul Millsap back last night. No, heavens, I forgot about Paul. Yep. So. So, yeah. We, (laughs) the Jazz have a lot. They've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, the Pelicans are on a six-game win streak. Yeah. And they've been without DeMarcus Cousins for all those. I don't know how many games uh, Cousins has been out. I want to say it's been like ten or so. Or maybe yeah, more. I can't up, it's, exactly. it's up there in numbers for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, this is where the Jazz, they'll need to win their winnable games because they're, they're two games behind the Nuggets, who are ninth. Well, the, the Nuggets and Clippers are both, um, they're tied. They're both 14 and a half games behind the Rockets, and the Jazz are 16 and a half games out. So... It's the Wild West, man. This is just this is usually how it goes, anyways. I mean, every year you can count on the West, the top ten to eleven teams always fighting for spots in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's really it's it's the after the Jazz, everything just drops off. Because then it's the Lakers, and they're twenty one games back. Yeah, nobody cares about them. I don't. Know, I feel like a lot of people care about them. I don't, I don't know why, but yeah, no, they care about them when they're winning. Are you kidding me? The Lakers have the least dedicated fan base in the entire NBA. When they're losing, they do. Wait, what? When when what they're or when they're winning, they do. Wait, when they're losing, they have the least dedicated fan base. When they're winning, they're like the most dedicated. Oh yeah, no, I mean fans come out of the woodwork. You go to Jazz Laker games, and all of a sudden you see people at a game a couple weeks ago wearing Jazz get up, and then the Lakers are in town, and all of a sudden they're in their Lakers gear. It's like, get out of here, man. The most fair-weather fan base ever. It's those fans that became Anyways, Clipper fans over. for about three years. What's that? It's, it's the same fans who became Clippers fans for a few years. Right, yeah. <laughs> back with uh, Lob City and all that. Now they've gravitated back to the Lakers. Or <sighs> probably the Warriors, actually. I will yeah. give – I give a pass – to Lakers fans that have been Lakers fans from the beginning. Either they grew up in L.A., their family are Lakers fans, and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. But not many of them exist. You know what I'm saying? Especially here in Utah. Like, you live in Utah. Unless you came and were born in L.A. and came to Utah, you are not a Lakers fan. You are a Fairweather fan. Yeah, I've I've actually got a couple of... A couple of buddies that are Lakers fans. One of them is actually from L.A., and the other one's been a fan his whole life. But yeah, See, I, I that's totally fine, but I'm yeah. still going to give him mass amounts of shit for being a Lakers fan. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just the Lakers. They're the they're kind of like the Patriots in the NFL or the Yankees. They'll produce hate, fans from anywhere. I hate the Yankees and the Patriots less than I hate the Lakers. Like, bar none. I hate the Lakers. 
I, I my my hate for teams tends to lessen when they start sucking. Like I used to absolutely hate the Jets. I of course I've hated the Lakers, and then both teams just started sucking. So it's just I kind of lay off them a little bit. I'm still yeah, happy. I, that, I, prefer, I prefer them when they're down low. I just I won't kick them while they're down there. I'll just kind of laugh at them. But then you know once yeah, they get it's, once they get up, it's fair game. It's a freak show in L.A. Anyways. Yeah, I I just laugh at all this stuff with kind of with Lonzo Ball and all that, but oh, I hope he and his family turn out to be the uh, the what's that family in Billy Madison O'Doyles the O'Doyles. I'm I hope that familiar. they I hope that they drive on a banana peel and drive off the side of a cliff. <laughs> That's a little harsh. Screaming balls rule, balls rule <laughs> all the way down. A little harsh, are you kidding me? Oh, LeVar Ball is the epitome of narcissism. Oh, I could punch that man repeatedly in the face. Oh yeah, so he goes a little bit. <laughs> but Lonzo's alright. No, he's not. <laughs> he's he's a lot more humble. He you can tell he's a lot more level headed than his dad. Oh, that's a stretch, man. You gotta, you gotta look at some all star stuff, all star weekend stuff he was doing. Ah, uh, you might change your mind there. Maybe I've, I've I kind of forgot about him for about a month because he was out and nobody was talking about him. Which was well, yeah, the, no one's talking about him because he sucks. <laughs> it was it was still one of the better basketball months because I didn't have to deal with that and the Jazz were winning so true it, it was a really nice month of basketball you know like in January and and all that and yeah. the first part of February obviously just before the All Star break but anyway I think yeah, you opened up a whole can of worms <laughs> yeah yeah I did now now I'm trying to close I'm trying to close off the the podcast before we go into uh before we uh head to Lithuania or something like that. Oh, it's somewhere. I don't know. <sighs> yeah. But yeah. All piled up. Yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and we'll try and cut this off here. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next week. Obviously the jazz have almost a week off uh, after that Houston game. But I will say before we go, I, you know, they had these three days to kind of reflect on what has happened since the all-star break. I think that, I don't want to say definitively that we're going to see them win the majority of these games because we don't know. I mean, the team that we've seen this past three games, not what we saw on the winning streak. Um, so I mean, the defense is still going to be there. Um, the, the question still remains, will the offense catch up to that? So. So that'll definitely be the thing to watch. So, again, watch that offense, see how it works, see how everybody shoots, and see I think one of the keys will be aggressiveness, uh, especially with Joe Ingles. That's kind of been the key for him. But, yeah, I'd love to see Joe get back to what he was doing. He was spectacular over that stretch. I think when, when Joe and Ricky are playing well and shooting well, this team wins. We talked about how when Ricky's playing well, the Jazz do well. We we wanted a full breakdown of that in our last episode, but mm-hmm. I'd, I would probably add Joe Ingles to that list as well, just without the benefit of really looking into the stats. I think I think he has a big impact on this offense when he's shooting well. So, yeah, well, and yeah, he's shooting well, and he's a great passer. He and Ricky are so good with that pick and roll. Yeah. 
So we'll see how everything goes. We've got a few games over the weekend. And, of course, since we recorded this in the middle of the week, you'll get to hear from us a lot sooner than usual. But anyway, (laughs) thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will talk to you later.